Today on episode number 757, let's think about this. You've been out of work for a while and you have a job interview, not only just a job interview, a dream job interview at two o'clock. You meet your spouse for lunch at a restaurant and you have a, a nice relaxing little lunch to kind of get your nerves down and you get ready to leave. You stand up, you make sure your clothes are okay. And you're like, well, wish me luck. Your spouse looks at you and goes, honey, you've got broccoli in your teeth. Wouldn't you be glad to know that? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. Getting listener feedback and why it's so important. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan. I help you launch. I help you grow your show. You want to monetize? I can help you with that. Just check out my book, Profit From Your Podcast, available at Amazon. If you're thinking about starting and growing and launching, check out my website, schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And and I cover this subject about every two years, and that subject is listener surveys. And today I've got new information, I've got a new angle, but listener surveys are so important. And one of the TV shows I watch when it's in production, it's been off for a while, is The Prophet. It's on MSNBC. It stars Marcus Lemonis. It's this super rich guy that goes around and helps small businesses. And he was helping this woman who had a some sort of sauce thing called Skinny Latina. And they did a focus group. And I'm going to play you a clip from this. This is where they asked for some feedback. And the feedback they got wasn't that great. Give me one word done in your first impression. Skanky. Her. She takes over the whole image. It's great that there's a woman on the label, but we can put a woman differently and not so skanky. It makes it look like <laughs> like if a Latina woman is supposed to look like that. In the okay. kitchen. I think it's just so cliche that when we think of Latina, we always think that they're just showing cleavage. Is this Bethany Frankel's brand? So you think it's skinny girl? What would you think if it was not? You're just getting a free ride off the skinny brand. And that's just them commenting on the label. So you can see where she's already lost some people and they haven't even tried the product, which is a shame because when they tried her marinade, this is what they said. Anybody going to try this when you go home? Yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm definitely going to try yeah. it. I'm going to Publix after this. So, <laughs> yeah. so you can see there where, wow, this is actually a good product. It was resonating with this target audience. But it was never going to get to them if she kept the label that was back in episode 750, where we talked about Quibi and how they had spent $1.7 billion and how they could have really benefited by understanding their target audience and how their target audience wanted to view video. I'll give you one more example here. Ron Howard, you've probably heard of him. He's made all these great blockbuster movies and things of that nature. He was little uh, Opie Taylor on the Andy Griffith show. He was Richie Cunningham. And I've mentioned this before. He's been nominated for 114 different awards and he's won 39 times. That's a 34% rate, which is pretty good in the entertainment field. You might know him. He won in 2002 for uh, a beautiful mind. He won best picture and best director so I would say uh, not too shabby about that. And here's the interesting thing. 
How does he make such consistent movies? Check this out. How to understand audience reaction. We did our first previews and I, I was so defensive about it and against it. And I wound up learning so many important truths yeah. about our story that to this day, even the Beatles documentary, even though I have Final Cut, I screen the movies and I know how to ask the questions and I ask people to fill out questionnaires and things like that. And I find it very, very useful. It's, it's, it's difficult. So, yeah, it's a lot difficult. of people object to that. They do. But I, I always think that it's like the playwright getting to see the show out of town, mm-hmm. you know, before you take it to Broadway. I, I don't think it's really any different than that. And again, I, I have the confidence of having done it a lot and the power of, of Final Cut yeah. so that this is about me understanding how the movie works. And I think it's really important to understand, you know, how a movie is communicating with an audience. And we should be the same way. We are serving our audience And so we should want to see how is this podcast connecting with our audience? There's only one exception, and that is, is your podcast art? This is my art, man. I put it out and it's, I just got to get it out of me. It's my art. Okay, cool. Because in that case, the podcast isn't for your audience. Now you will let people come and observe your art, but really in that case, that podcast is about you. And so I get that. So in that case, you kind of get a pass. So I think that's it. I think the other reason podcasters don't ask for feedback is when you are first starting and you just spent four hours to put together this, you know, 45 minute podcast, the last thing you want to do is go back to the drawing board to fix something. But I interviewed Jack Reside from the Dark Neck Diaries. You're going to hear that interview in the future. But when he was getting ready to launch his podcast, he took the time and check out the questions he was asking. He asked, uh, he got a group of people together. I call that a focus group. And he asked them to listen to his first episode and he got super specific on what he was talking about. So if you send somebody like a a vague question, what do you think? You're going to get a vague answer. It's great, right? Every time. Every time. And that may mean you have to ask questions that the answer is just a little painful. Did you listen to the whole thing? If not, at what minute did you turn it off? I want to know this because if there was a part that was lulling or boring or something like that, you know, what was what was going on? And Jack's been very transparent. You'll hear my interview with him in the future. And when I asked him how many downloads he was getting, well, you know, after about 30 to 45 days, there are about 300,000 now. And that is per episode, 300,000 downloads Per episode. And today you're going to hear from different people who have made surveys, what they learned and how it changed their show. What do you get when you join the School of Podcasting? You get step-by-step tutorials that will walk you through shaping your idea to picking the right equipment, to building your own website, to getting your podcast listed on Apple and Google and Spotify and all those places in between. You get access to a private Facebook group that is the most brilliant podcasting mastermind that you've ever seen, and you get access to live group coaching. And this is usually, when I say group, maybe we should call it small group coaching. It's almost one-on-one consulting, which would cost you about five times as much as your monthly subscription, and you can sign up worry-free. All you have to do, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, use the coupon code LISTENER, and that will save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And if for some reason, anytime during those first 30 days, you go, you know what? 
I figured it out. I'm not going to do this now. I might do it later, but it's not for me right now. Dave, I want out. That's right. You get your money back anytime during that first 30 days. So you can join worry-free. Come in, dip your toe in the water, check it out, and if you don't like it, leave. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Your audience is waiting. Let me help you. When it comes to feedback, you've got to go in with the right attitude. And Brian Halligan is the CEO of HubSpot. He was recently voted as a top CEO in America because he took his company from $0 to basically being worth about $6.5 billion. Yeah, billion. And he said, feedback is the breakfast of champions. Bill Gates, you may have heard of him, said, your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. So the first thing you have to figure out is why. Why am I doing a survey. And so I reached out to Scott Johnson from the What Was That Like podcast. You can find it at whatwasthatlike.com. It's a phenomenal podcast with some amazing stories. And Scott started the show back in 2018 uh, in July, and he's chugging right along, constantly growing his audience. And so when I asked Scott, because he had said he had learned some things from his survey, and I was like, oh, you got to come on and share those. And I asked him, I'm like, Scott, why are you doing a survey? Well, I, actually, it's something I'd actually thought about for a while, and now the show is getting big enough that I'm starting to look into ads and sponsors. And you know, when you talk to a sponsor, they're all going to want to know who's your audience, what the, what are the demographics, uh, and all of that information. And and also, if I know who my audience is, I might be able to decide which sponsors would be a good fit as well. But even more than that, I wanted to know who my listeners are so I can provide better content for you know what they're looking for. So. I figured, hey, let's let's ask a few questions of my listeners and see who they are. And it turns out that the tool that Scott uses is the one that I recommend because, well, it's free, and he did a bit of research. And, of course, the one everybody knows is SurveyMonkey, and I actually created an account with them and started – I figured this, is, this one's the standard. This is the one that everybody uses, so this is what I would use. And I created an account, and I started going through, you know, setting it all up, but I found myself – going on their website and getting on chat, asking questions like, how do I do this? Or, you know, why is this happening or or that kind of thing? But then I found a YouTube video, a tutorial on using Google Forms to create a survey. And that's the one that I recommend. I know it's free and it's it's Google, but uh, I love it. And here's what Scott had to say. It is incredible. And it is completely free as long as you have a Google account. Use a Google form and this YouTube tutorial. I mean, you could figure it out yourself anyway, but this tutorial, this guy walks you right through. Click this, put this here. And I'll have a link to that tutorial in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 757. And I know what you're saying, Dave, I've tried surveys. I couldn't get anybody to fill the darn thing out. Well, here's what Scott did, and it seemed to work. I kind of had in the back of my head that I wanted to get at least 100 responses. I figured... Okay, I'm not spending any money on SurveyMonkey. So I took 50 bucks and put as an incentive that whoever filled out the survey and decided to leave me their contact information at the end, I would put all of those people in a drawing for a $50 Amazon gift card. Glenn the Geek Hebert over at HorseRadioNetwork.com. If you like horses, you'll like Glenn. He's got a ton of shows 
all about horses. And when I asked him what he used to make his survey. We did it on Facebook. Oh, there you go. We just threw it on Facebook and did a survey uh, in, in our Facebook group. And Glenn has a very engaged audience. And he just explained, hey, when you do this survey, it's going to help make the show better. And he had over 300 people reply to his survey. James Jacobson, you've been hearing about him on my show, does the Dog Podcast Network. He's also been doing surveys as he's getting ready to launch his network. And here's how he got people to fill out his survey. We incentivize them with a whopping $25 Amazon gift card and explain why this is helpful to us and helpful to them, why it serves their interests. And we get a a really high response rate and people spend a lot of time being extremely thoughtful and they're doing that for, I guess, because they like what we're doing and also maybe for the 25 bucks, but it seems like a, it seems like an awfully fair trade. And when I asked Scott, do you really think something like that will incentivize, you know, it is Amazon gift cards are pretty much money. That was kind of the big incentive. You know, most people did. There were some people that didn't, but most people left their information and then we had a drawing. So Scott announced this in the podcast once. He announced it in his private Facebook group. And then as you hear, he kind of turned this into an event. The whole thing went like three weeks. So I said, uh, and this was like the beginning, the first or second week of the month. And I said, at the end of the month, you know, the last day of the month, we're going to have this, we'll have a Zoom meeting. Anybody that participated can come into the Zoom meeting and we'll have a live drawing right there and we'll find out who gets the Amazon gift card. And it worked great because uh, I didn't expect this, but the person that actually won turned out to be an elementary school teacher out in California. And she was so excited. She never wins anything. And she used the Amazon card to get something for her class, a document reader, uh, whatever that is. I don't know what, what they do with that. I read documents, obviously, I guess. <laughs> but but she was excited. Her whole class was excited because they get this new thing and they loved it because it was provided by the podcast. And then she recorded an audio saying, hey, I just want to let you know I did this for my class. And so I played that on an episode. So it turned out it was a really very positive uh, thing uh, for many different aspects. And I understand you might be thinking if you offer an incentive, then is that really the motive that's making them fill it out? And from the people I talk to and in my own travels, people are filling out the survey because they are your listeners. In fact, they're your super listeners and anything they can do to make the show better, especially for them then they will do that. The key is you want to make it easy. Most of the questions were multiple choice uh, because I wanted to like, like some of the things is like, um, you know, are you male or female or other, you know, you gotta, yeah. gotta include several options there now, but a lot of them were what category of podcast do you like to listen to? And I even included some like, what is your income? And I, rather than having write this stuff out, I had, you know, is it, you know, 50 to 75,000 a year, 75 to a hundred, whatever. So they could just choose and it made it easier for them to fill that, that kind of thing out with the, the numbers kind of stuff. But then I also wanted to get some uh, original feedback from them. So I asked like, what's your favorite episode? What's your least favorite episode? Uh, I, one of the questions I asked was if you could change one thing about the show, what would it be? And I got to tell you when, you know, when you ask a question like that, or some of these other questions, you got to be ready for answers that mm, you may not like them. You may not expect what (laughs) people are going to say. And I mean, overall it was, it was very good, but you know, I had some people like, like for, for two years, I've had this same kind of an opening sequence in my show where it's me, a pre-recorded 
audio of me saying, hey, this is what was that like? We ask people, we get inside their head because we all want to know what was that like? Here we go. And I had a couple of people who said, you know, maybe you could get rid of the here we go because, uh, you know, it's getting kind of old now. <laughs> so, so, right. and, and you know what? I agreed with them. I've been, it, they've been hearing the same thing for two years, every episode. So, so I got rid of that. I changed it. I did a whole different opening now, which I love and they're, I've had very positive feedback from it. And uh, so it was a good thing. So I'm going to play back to back Scott's old intro. And then as soon as that's done, you'll hear his new intro. Welcome to what was that like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is a show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know what was that like. More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. Real people in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? I've said it before, your podcast is not a statue. It's a recipe, and you can change it anytime you want. And based on some listener feedback, Scott ended up with, in my opinion, a much better introduction. And of course, you're going to get those people that say things like, oh, I love all your episodes. But in Scott's case, he asked what, again, he asked a specific question, which one was your favorite and which one was your least favorite, which in some cases was kind of confusing. Yeah. A few people would say, no, I like all of them. I love them all. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, that's great, but it doesn't really tell me anything. But probably the, the one that was most commonly the least favorite was... The guy who ate his own foot. <laughs> okay. And yeah. surprisingly, for some people, that was their favorite episode <laughs> as well. So you gotta you just gotta listen to that one to see what it's all about. Meanwhile, over at the Horse Radio Network, Glenn the Geek, his survey was much more focused on understanding how his ads were performing, how his audience preferred ads, because ads are a huge part of the Horse Radio Network. And here is what Glenn learned from his survey. If you're in a niche, let's say you're, you do bicycles, okay? Bicycle magazines were around before banner ads on websites. And your, your longtime advertisers that sell stuff in the bicycle world have been used to doing ads in magazines. So that's your biggest competitor. So I wanted to ask, that's where I, I geared this survey. Again, the first thing you need to figure out is why am I doing a survey and what information am I trying to get? Here's what Glenn learned. What we found out is that 65% of our podcast listeners don't pay for a magazine of any kind. So you, you have your group of podcast listeners, you have your group of magazine readers who probably don't listen to any podcasts. And then there's that group in the middle do a little bit of both, right? So that's what we found out is 65% of our group didn't pay for any magazines. And then we asked for those that do look at magazines or websites, 
how many of you have bought a product in the last year as a result of that ad, of a magazine ad or a website banner ad? And 85% did not purchase anything from an, one of those ads in the last mm. year. So then we asked them the follow-up question, how many of you have bought because of a commercial we did on one of our shows in the last year? And that's what we set it up as in the last year. Same criteria. 90% had bought a product. See, that looks really good in a media kit. It does. <laughs> and it, actually, I fudged it a little. It was 95%. And it just looked ridiculous. So I dropped it to 90 for the media You're not going to believe this if um, I put that out. <laughs> I kind of then looked at the comments as to why. And the reason why is because the host recommended it. There was a personal connection. Remember, they're coming for the content, but they're staying for the host. That is the fundamental rule of podcasting. And they're staying for the host because they like you. You know, they're not hanging around if they don't like you. So you and you, you know, you just had a one star review you posted. That guy wasn't hanging around because he doesn't like you. He didn't like you. Right. And that's OK. Twenty percent of the people out there don't like you and you're playing to the other 80 percent. So they're buying because you recommended the product. You talked about the product and you recommended it and you're their friend. So that's the reason that it's a very personal connection that they don't have with a magazine ad in a magazine. Then I took it a step further. I asked them, what format do you like prefer hearing our commercials? Because we do a bunch of different formats. And I was shocked at the responses here. And this changed from the last time five years ago when I did this. The number one, 35% said product reviews. Kind of get that, right? Because it's a review. A lot of times we have our listeners do the review, so they come on the show. So that kind of makes sense, right? That a product review would be that. Host discussion was number two at 30%. Mm. So, and that's where we discuss the product. I've used it. This was what happened. You know, it's less of, uh, we're not reading it. We're discussing it. The advertiser does the, the commercial. And a lot of times what we have there is the advertiser will come on and do a little tip about a product. Use it this way. You know, it's best not to use it this way. And we'll do a minute or two of that. And that they like those because it's educational. Right. The one that was the two lowest, and I'm talking 4% each, were host read ads where we read the copy provided by ah. them. And what does people tell you to do? Host read ads are great in podcasting, mm -hmm. right? 4% on our survey like host read ads. And pre-recorded were 2%. So if we have a retailer now, and we do this with most of our retail sponsors, what we do is the two hosts, we go to their website and we talk about what's what's on the front page. And then a lot of times we've used that product and we end up in a whole conversation about it. It's a four-minute ad. But when we when I go on then and ask listeners about those kind of commercials, that's the one that inspires them to go buy. Because we're just having fun goofing around on their website and we end up talking about products and our group is very product driven. You know, they all like buying stuff for their horses. So think about what Glenn's sponsor kit looked like before and now think about what it's going to look like after his survey. And one of the reasons why Glenn is so successful with advertising is Glenn has integrity. He will not have a sponsor on his show. He has to try them all before they actually become a sponsor and he will not take a sponsor that he himself would not recommend. I turned one away last week. Yeah. You know, I it just didn't. The product was weird. I mean, it didn't. Fit. Yeah. I couldn't recommend it. But not all of his survey was about advertising. 
We did one other question too. I'll end with this. We did, when do they listen to the shows? And I'd done this question before and our group's a little different. And before it was when they're cleaning the barn was like number one, like 60% of them. It's not any, it wasn't this time. It was driving, which, you know, is, is true of most podcasts, but I didn't think it was true of ours. And that was almost 40%. And then it was anytime, anywhere, uh, which is kind of how I listen to podcasts. At work was number three. Doing barn chores was number four. And the lowest on the list uh, was around the house, which I was kind of surprised. I thought that'd be higher. Hmm. But. If you're at a loss for what should I ask my audience, here are some things you might want to think about. Demographics. You almost always want to ask this because if you're going to someday monetize your podcast, you're going to need to know what age is your audience, what sex, what income, those types of things. You might want to ask, where do you hang out? You know, what other kind of information like yours is out there and where do they get it? Now, why would you ask that question? Because A, you might want to partner with that particular organization or website or whatever, or if they have sponsorship, you might see how much they're charging so that you can, you know, undercut them. You might want to ask if there are any forums, if there are any magazines, whatever it is, where are your people going because I always say when it comes to growing your audience, figure out where they are, go there and make friends. So if it's some sort of forum or, you know, uh, website, whatever you can go there, let's say they hang out on Reddit. You can go over and see what they're talking about and use that content for episodes. So by knowing where your audience is, again, you can go there, make friends, listen, and in some cases create partnerships When it comes to content, we heard how Scott was kind of looking for content insights. So how long do they listen? Uh, What's the favorite part of your show? What's the least favorite part of your show? And you don't want to say things like, did you like the show? Ask specific questions and ask them what you wish would be different. Ask about your audio quality, maybe, or ask them what's the top thing you've gained from listening to the show. Ask them how they describe the show to their friends. That might be interesting, and you might use that description in your description in Apple Podcast. If you're doing any kind of sponsorships, especially with advertising, have you purchased any products from the sponsors on the show? That's what Glenn asked. Uh, who do you think would be a good sponsor? And then you can use that email to, to go to that potential sponsor. Go, hey, my audience says you would be a good fit. What do you think? You might want to ask them if they skipped the ads or what was the last thing they purchased? You might find out that your audience is buying a whole bunch of something and you go, hey, would you like to be a sponsor of my show? If you're thinking of doing a Patreon, you might want to send out to your audience and say, hey, I'm thinking of starting a Patreon or whatever crowdfunding tool you're using. If I start this, would you support it? And if so, how much would you be willing to pledge per month? If you do multiple segments, you could say, which one is your favorite segment and which one is your least segment? So if you do the same segments in every show, that would be another thing you could do to kind of figure out which one your audience knows. And if you see that everybody hates that one lightning round thing, well, then you can quit doing it. Another tip, if you're having people rate things, always use even numbers. If I say, hey, where one is bad and five is great, you can choose number three and be right in the middle. Where if I give you one through four and you're not feeling one and you're not feeling four, you have to figure out, do I like this a little more or do I not like this a little more and choose two or three? I would recommend looking at other podcasters' surveys. Just to get an idea, even though they may not be shows that are like yours, if anybody wants to get the list of questions that I used, 
I'd be happy to send that to them. I don't know. I looked at, uh, uh, well, Jack Resider, Darknet Diaries. He did a listener survey. I looked at the ones that he, the questions that he asked just to get ideas. I put them all in a Word document first so that I could kind of look at it and read it, think about it for a few days before I actually created the survey and announced it. And of course, you want to have the survey completely created and ready to go before you mention it anywhere publicly to your listeners, because there's going to be some people that go there immediately and and fill it out. And Scott's right. You want to take those results and you want to do something with them. I will say this when I used to teach customer service many moons ago, the worst thing you can do is ask your customer for feedback and then do nothing with it. So what you want to do is you want to ask your listener, then you want to categorize that feedback in a different bucket. So you can kind of see if there are any kind of meaningful patterns that are going on here. Then you want to act. So in Scott's case, he redid his intro and then you want to follow up and say, Hey, I've been doing this based on your feedback. Is this better? An easy way of thinking about this. If somebody says, Hey, this bread is awful and you go, Oh, it needs more salt. And so you add salt to the recipe. You make a new loaf. You bring it back out and you hand it to somebody and they go, Ah, this is much better. Then you know, I don't have to tweak anymore. So you really want to take your results and kind of categorize them. And kind of what you're looking for is what I call the blind spot. I mean, there are things in the open. These are things that you know and things that your audience knows. And then there are things that you know, but your audience doesn't. Those things are called confidential. But then there are things that you don't know, but your audience does. And that is your blind spot. And what you're looking for is the blind spot. That's the thing you go, ooh, I didn't realize that. And when you get that feedback, you can fix it. And now it's going to be better. When you find out what's working, you can do more than that. When you find out what's driving your audience nuts, you can quit doing that. You end up with a podcast that is so good that your audience can't help but tell their friends about it. And that's how you grow your audience. So don't be afraid to get a little constructive feedback. It's okay. We all know we're not perfect. Get out there and start a survey today of links in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 757 to show you how to use Google Forms. Dogpodcastnetwork.com is the website that James Jacobson is, well, it's up and running. He's launching a new flagship show in nine days. And when I learned about this and I got to know James, I'm like, hey, can you come on? And we're just going to watch you launch this thing and we'll all learn together. So it is the Dog Podcast Network, which kind of means it's a business. I mean, that's usually networks are either, hey, it's just cross promotion or we're going to kind of pull all of our shows together to try to get sponsorships or both in most cases. So tell us a little bit about, I guess in this case, it's a business. Tell us about running the business side of this. Yeah, it's very much a business. I mean, I, I, I today we're sitting here, uh, Wondery just got bought by Amazon for $300 million. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think those, you know, when we look at uh, like, what would I love, what would I love to be doing in five years? I'd be like, I'd like to get a check from, uh, Amazon or Spotify or something like that. So that's like what an entrepreneur would call the exit. So it's very much a business. And while we love dogs and I'm so enamored with the content we're doing, I have to structure everything 
from our programming and our team and our promotion and advertising so that we can be a profitable business. Because it's not enough from my perspective to create great content if it's not self-sustaining. It has to be something that brings in enough money so that the people on the team get paid. And at the end of the day, you know, there's at least something for me, at least something to feed my dogs. <laughs> well, you started a few companies. How long of a runway do you have before you go, hmm, I thought this was going to work. We did everything we could. Have you ever had one that you just go, yeah, we got to we gotta kill our darlings or whatever? I, you know how you say it takes three years for a podcast to, to take mm-hmm. off? It takes three years for a company to take off. So I always look at it that way. And luckily, I knock on wood, I've always been successful. But part of that success is being freaking frugal uh, at the beginning and not being like, oh, spend some money on this and just being really frugal about everything and building it from a sustainable perspective. And that means everything we do. I mean, I literally was on a call um, before this, where I was talking with my bookkeeper about, well, you know, I see that price has gone up to like a hundred. Let's see, let's get it back down to when it was 40. So literally looking at like those types of uh, savings and having that perspective so that everyone in the company appreciates that years ago, the Washington Post did a story on me many, many years ago. And the the thing that got the most interest is people said, they, they they remarked on the fact that I never bought paper clips for my company because back then paper clips were ubiquitous. You oh just got them in the mail. Why would you spend money on paper clips when they when they're coming for free? So you know that frugality is is the basis of all the companies I've built. So as it comes to Dog Podcast Network, making sure that we're building something that eventually advertisers will want to advertise on because we have such great content and a big audience. And one of the things. I mentioned in my book, Profit from Your Podcast, one of the most profitable things to do is if you have your own product, to use that as a sponsor. And as you get ready to launch, understand you actually have a product for dogs. Yeah, basically, Dog Podcast Network was birthed because I have my my day job is I run a, a dog supplement company. We make really cutting edge, great dog supplements. And people have said, oh, you should do a podcast. And so I decided to build a whole network. So our first sponsor for actually for several of our shows are different products that Functional Nutriments, which is this dog supplement company I have, uh, make. So it's literally an advertiser. These are all separate entities, separate companies, and they are buying advertising on the network. So basically, I have a sponsor from day one, but I don't want to be the only sponsor. Right. Are you still getting dog stories and do you still need more? We still need more. Uh, we've gotten a lot of, it, it, we've gotten a bunch of uh, contributions from uh, content providers. Some of them are podcasters. Some of them are YouTubers. Some of them are writers. Some of them are just dog lovers, but we have pretty high standards because uh, it has to be a good story, a riveting story. It has to be well told. The audio has to be good. And because we're giving away money, uh, everyone who wins, wins a little bit of money, a hundred bucks. And then they, and then we, a hundred of these people can win $5,000. So it's about $15,000. It is $15,000 in in prize money. Uh, so we are definitely taking more applicants and, uh, it's a rolling thing. So every month we have new winners. So if, and it's, the likelihood of you thinking about entering is better to do it now when there are fewer people because as more and more, we get more and more entries every month. 
There we go. And you've got mm, a little over a week till this thing rolls out, right? The show yeah. launches on the 19th. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. And between now and then, what's the, the next steps? Uh, promotion. We are actually, <laughs> we're hiring again. We're hiring. I'm really looking to bring a full-time promotions manager in. Nice. Well, James, thank you for your time, buddy. And uh, I know it's back to the, uh, you know, back to the grind of getting this thing ready for uh, the next couple of weeks. And uh, yes. <laughs> back to the doghouse. Here you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Want to thank Scott from what was that like.com, James from dogpodcastnetwork.com, Glenn the Geek Hebert from horse radio network.com, and Jack from darknetdiaries.com. And of course, you. Everything we talked about today, you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 757. Do you know somebody who is trying to grow their podcast audience? Could you do me a favor? If you're listening to this on your phone, there's actually a share button in whatever app you're using. If you could click on that and share that with that friend, I would be greatly appreciated. In fact, if they're really looking to grow their podcast, you might want to tell them to go out to schoolofpodcasting.com and use the coupon code LISTENER and save when they sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. When you hear podcasting, think School of Podcasting. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we'll be talking with Jack from Darknet Diaries and find out how did a guy start a podcast and end up with 300,000 downloads per episode. You can subscribe to the show by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.